As always, our show is sponsored by Memoria Press. You can find our curriculum at memoriapress.com. Welcome to Classical Etc., a show from Memoria Press that dives into the philosophy, culture, and heart of classical education. You're in the studio with Shane Saxon. Welcome to another episode of Classical Etc. I'm joined with Paul, Tanya, and Ian. On today's episode, we're going to talk about our Christian Studies program. But before we get there, Paul, you been reading anything recently? No, I've been, I've been um, harvesting too many deer. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my problem lately. I keep coming with excuses, don't I? Yes, you do. <laughs> well, okay. But okay. So I've been gifted two Wendell Berry books lately. These, these are the next on my list because I'm so thrilled about them. One is The Art of Loading Brush. Mm. Um. And <laughs> a scintillating read. Yeah, no that's doubt. right. Tom just told me it's actually very good. Um, oh, no, no, no. I've only read the actual story in it, not the essays. Okay. <laughs> okay. And the other one's The Unsettling of America. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to both of those because they're, they are just collections of essays. So I can read one and decide whether I want to keep going on the next one or put it down <laughs> for a while and come back to it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tanya, what have you you've been reading? A British Murder Mystery by C.S. Harris, and I'm getting. And my new Louise Penny book came in yesterday, so I'm rushing through Harris, even though Harris is very good. (laughs) I'm rushing through that though to get to Louise Penny, who's my Mm -hmm. very favorite. But I'm also reading Common Sense 101 by Dale Alquist. Hmm. What kind of book is that? It's got a lot of um, Chesterton in it. Okay. And I haven't read Chesterton, mm-hmm. which I'm going to because I'm going to read Orthodoxy. Have you read Orthodoxy? I actually haven't. I know. Okay. Well, we yeah, all on the I'm almost done with it. I, I've been oh. reading it. Have you I'm been reading done. it? Well, I, then I'm Lee not... will be very happy with you. Yeah, that's Lee right. was appalled that I had not read it. Yeah. So I'm going to read it. But I. But this is this is like dipping your toe mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. Chesterton. It's very good. It's very very good. Um. So it's just kind of weaving the themes of Chesterton and maybe others just to talk about is is, is kind of in the self help genre if you could say well that. it's like like there's a chapter on wonder and yeah, so yeah. Alquist but Alquist also has just wonderful things to say but he does quote Chesterton a lot you know he's really talking about um, Chesterton in the book but sure. but he also is a very good writer and has very good ideas. So he talks about wonder, and then he says, this is what Chesterton says about it. It's absolutely worth reading and very interesting. I'm also reading Robin Hood as we continue to work on our grammar school literature. Well, I'm very proud of you for reading nonfiction. I just want you to know that. Thank you. But I I sit there and I think, okay, Common Sense 101 or British Murder Mystery. It's very, you know, every, every night I have to make that decision. I try to do a little of both. Oh, that's good. That's healthy. Thank you. Ian, what are you reading? I'm actually not reading a lot either. At He's this doing moment, a thesis. I'm finishing that up. That's right. And the due date so, is Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, Why well, are you even here? Uh, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking off Friday for, for that reason. And you will be publishing... So. The only translation? No, I don't know about that. I don't know if it'll be one of well, a very will, few translations. That's right. Of a that's all manuscript from what the third century uh, AD. Uh, maybe seconds. some, maybe like this, there's some dis- discrepancies there. Sure, uh, but yes, it's a Syriac manuscript. I'm just translating a very small portion of it, just trying to find out what he said. 
and it's been a long, pretty arduous process, but it's been fun. This is so. a little note that's at the bottom of a translation of it, the Greek New Testament. Yeah, uh, uh, actually, of, of yeah, it's of uh, in Syriac, the Fourth Kingdoms, and it's just a little note that's explaining who translated that portion of what's called the Peshitta, which is the Syriac version of of the Bible. Uh, but it also brings up information from several different texts. And that's part of what I've been doing is trying to find out where that information may have come from. Had a curveball thrown at me last weekend when I found that where I thought some of the information came from actually came from somewhere else. So oh, thankfully I found that, but yeah. I was literally shaking from stress <laughs> over, <laughs> over the goodness. weekend. But it's been fun. It's been I, fun. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun. I've been able to talk to my professor, Dr. Gentry, quite a bit. Uh, and so we, we, we've been excited. We, we found that some of the information comes from uh, Origen, some from um, Epiphanius, uh, who wrote, who wrote a bunch about old Greek old, guys. <laughs> old Greek guys. And uh, the curveball was, uh, was from a text uh, that I don't know a whole, a whole lot about, but um, written by uh, someone claiming to be Athanasius. So we call him pseudo Athanasius. And so, I found that it matched uh, very, very clearly the ordering of the text that I'm working in and some of the information that I could only find there. It's amazing you're able to work full time so, here and go splunking through three caves to find these manuscripts. So it's I'm hard. proud of you for that. <laughs> um, I did read, however, a little novella, The Death of Ivan. I think it's. Oh, I think yeah. I should pronounce it Ivan Ilyich, which is beautiful. The ending of that made me cry. So we're worth, worth picking. Is up that just the first read. time you've read that? I've never read it. Yeah, That's very, so yeah. interesting to me with your uh, focus on yeah. Russian. Well, book. I'm actually picking up war and peace right now, but I, uh, Ooh, that's I, fun. Yeah. I want to read that. Yeah. Have you not so. read that, Tanya? No, I've got oh, it's it. It's very good. I've got two translations of it. I just bought a more recent one and I just, ha I mean, it's so big. Yeah, but uh, I should read it with you. Yeah. Except I read Don Quixote with you, and how did I that? I've not finished out? that. It, yeah. it, it's not any bigger than Anna Karenina, is it? It feels like it I think is. It, is it bigger. looks bigger. Oh. I it, tried reading War and Peace several years ago. Got about halfway through. Oh this gosh. time I'm I'm because I did that like during a school break, and uh -huh. then. Oh, and then oh, had yeah. to go back but to school. But now school no, should be done. But you didn't quit it, because yeah. you didn't, because it wasn't That's interesting. right. I didn't quit because it wasn't Because you love Russian yeah. lit. Mm -hmm. It's not my favorite. It's very mm -hmm. cold. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are you reading? Well, I have a very uninspiring update, but I have to context. Are you still I've, reading Fitzgerald? I have to caveat it. Tanya, let me caveat this. Okay. I've You've had a whole like two, three or four days I'm off. I'm reading several books. Okay. One of them is a book by F. Scott Fitzgerald called The Beautiful and the Damned. But I have two rules. One I got from Alan Jacobs is the throw the book across the room roll. That is, if I don't like a book, mm. I don't need to complete it. I can I, throw mm, it across the room. That's right. Yeah. I, I really struggled with that, but I'm over it. There's yeah. too much to read. That's yep. right. Yep. The corollary of the throw the book across the room roll is always rewind. So if you're listening to audiobooks, let me give you a tip. Don't half listen to a book that you're not, <laughs> listen, not paying attention. Start over and actually listen. And that's a discipline I've tried to cultivate. And so with Withering Heights is a good example of this. I listened to the first six chapters of Withering Heights three times before it finally clicked. And then I was hooked. And so I've just gotten in the habit of if I find that I've half listened, I rewind. Mm. And I am on my second listen <laughs> to the first third of The Beautiful and the Damned. And I'm, I'm with Anthony Patch now. I'm locked in. <laughs> he and Gloria, their romance. And I'm really enjoying it. 
Um, Maybe you do better with actual words on a page I than do, an audio book. Sometimes I do too. Um, but well, so, I also like audiobooks. So on this topic of throw the book across the room, mm-hmm. um, I did actually listen to a book while I was out there looking for deer um, that Mitchell told me I really need to read that one. Um, I heard the owl call my name. Oh, yes. yes. I texted him when I was two thirds of the way through this. And I said, why in the world would you recommend this? Oh my gosh. It's so good. Oh, it was so, to me, it was, it was on the level of Hannah Coulter when it comes to sadness. Oh, yes. Okay. It's beautiful. Yes. It was a beautiful, like it's probably worth reading, (laughs) but I'm sitting out here like trying to enjoy being out there in nature and I'm reading, I'm, I'm listening to this book about how they're being ripped away from their, their lifestyle that's totally dependent mm. on the land. Yeah. Right. And it was, it was very, it was very sad. Yes, Do not judge so that book by its cover. Mm. I will say. <laughs> I gave that book to Mitchell as a gift to my wedding. So. Yes. But Mitchell claims total, like that's the best book ever written. It's great. And he did not tell me that he got it from Shane. It was <laughs> like he had discovered this book <laughs> and everybody needed to read it. And then Shane was yeah. like, yeah, I gave it to him. Huh? <laughs> That little piece of information he didn't give me. It is so... Did you finish it? I did. I did. Mm. Yeah. Didn't you think it was beautiful? Well, like Shane said, I had to rewind. Like I got to the end. I was like, wait, 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 wait what just happened? Yeah. And I, re- I rewound. Mm. Always rewind. Remember and, to. And I listened to it listened to the end again. And uh, yeah. I and mean, it's it was, a little book. Yeah, it's a little book. And, and so that's what I was looking for. I figured a couple of mornings out in the tree stand, I'd finish it. So I did. It, but incredibly sad. But mm, yeah. as we discovered with Lassie, it's okay to read sad books. But also incredibly redemptive. And Ian, you know what else yeah. is redemptive? The Bible. I like it. Yeah, the Bible. <laughs> so on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Christian studies. Now, if you were to go onto Memorial Press's website and you went to the, there's this top top menu bar. Tanya, I need you to picture this with me. Top menu bar. And there's a drop down for, uh, I think it's, Shop. Shop. Yeah. Shop. And then you shop by subject and then you click Christian studies. Then there's a paragraph that says in Memorial Press, our Christian studies program teaches three things. It teaches our students biblical literacy, a knowledge of church history, and then to have a strong faith and a Christian consciousness. Now, I think that these are three incredible goals for our students, but I wanted to talk to, to you guys. What makes these three goals valuable for students in the homeschool setting? In classical schools, what is important about these concepts? How have you seen them play out with students? That's that's where I want this conversation to go. So first, let's let's talk about biblical literacy. Paul, what what is that? What is biblical literacy, and and maybe why is it important? I think uh, biblical literacy is going to entail knowing sort of the general arc of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to have the big picture. But then you also have to know those individual stories, um, and and then the also the books that aren't story based, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have a general general understanding of what those are, and so it it doesn't mean that a student's going to walk out with you know every every verse memorized or every mm-hmm. verse that you think is important memorized, right? They're going to walk out with some verses memorized. They're going to walk out with a with a strong understanding of that, that general arc, they're going to walk out with a strong understanding of the, the most prominent stories and uh, a, a good understanding of, 
you know, what each of uh, Paul's letters are about and just generally speaking so that they've got context when, you know, something, when something's referenced there and that they can bring that up, that they have enough mastery to bring that up themselves. Mm -hmm. And so when they're, you know, later on, when they're trying to write a paper and they want to bring a reference and they know where to go find that, even though, you know, roughly speaking. Yeah. Ian, what else would you add to that definition of biblical literacy to flesh it out? You know, I think there might be some people who are listening that are wondering if it's kind of like a biblical theology. And Mm -hmm. we, we know that there are different ways to talk about biblical theology, whether it's pulling out like major threads or narratives in scripture and kind of putting that all together. But it's, it really is just what Paul said. It's the main stories. It's, it's making sure that they know who the characters are, that they can uh, intelligently talk about these characters, understand what's going on, and that there is theology behind it. But a lot of that theology is going to be left up to the parents, you know, to, to flesh out into how to apply it, uh, you know, in, in, into their own homes and lives. Uh, but, but I think that's, that's mainly it. It's, it's, the, it's the grand story of Scripture. Mm. And Tanya, why is it important that our students are biblically literate? Because, I mean, that's our whole goal with Mm. classical education, with any education really, should be that students would discover God's purpose for their lives Mm. and be equipped then to fulfill that purpose. And so, obviously, the Bible needs to be a big part of that. And, I mean, again, back to the top-down approach, our goal for 12th grade is that they study apologetics and Mm. that they go into their lives post high school, being able to defend their faith and being able to recognize fallacies mm. in um, religious doctrine, other re- religions, whatever. But um, to get there, we first have to show them what is in the Bible mm. on a grade level basis. So, you know, in K to two, they're just reading those stories in a in a little children's bible and then three to six were really studying the stories themselves so it's like as paul said it's like we're putting a map in their heads mm-hmm. of yeah, that's good. where the stories are so that they when they need when they want you know they will have studied the story all the stories of david but they need to know that you know to find those stories they need to go to samuel and kings and mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they come out with that. And then we move on to church history after they know the basic stories in the Bible. And I don't know, I'm not really equipped to talk about church history in the way that these guys are. Oh, but I want you said map in their heads, and that actually brought to mind also that we're we're fleshing this out beyond just a story, mm-hmm. right? Like they, the students are taught where in the world this mm, happened. Yes. They have geographical maps. They understand, they, hopefully they understand some of the topography of it. Right. So when you talk well, about going up to Jerusalem. That's right. That they do see, they do a lot of mapping and looking at the places. So they know where, like when they're studying the New Test- Testament, they know where Capernaum is and Nazareth and, and how far away they are from Jerusalem. All of those things, Paul's trips, you know, we we look at maps of those, but um, oh, my mind went blank. I was going to say something about the about those little uh, Bibles that have the maps in the back that are kind of like what oh no, the golden, is yeah, <laughs> the golden the golden the golden children's Bible. 
Jesus is blonde in the Golden mm. Children's Bible. Yeah. And we don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> um, we think it may just be to set him apart. But when I taught fifth grade and we were doing the New Testament, that was a huge lesson for the students because, you know, I started by saying in in your Bible here, Jesus is blonde. Chances are he wasn't blonde. And they <laughs> right. wanted to know why. And I said, well, he was Middle Eastern and he was Jewish. And they didn't know that. Mm. You know, they're mm. 10 years old and nobody had ever. We don't think That's in right. Sunday school to talk to them about those right. things. So they re- we do put it all into context. It is no. more than just, here's a little Bible story. I mean, we're actually... We're we are answering questions about those stories and and memorizing dates and characters yes. and events in order. And I think that I, the important thing there is that it's actually like this actually happened. Right. Mm. It's, it's it was in a place. That's right. It was in a yeah. time that we can identify. I wanted to piggyback off of the where conversation and talk about when. I mean, they they learn about when these things happened, and through things like the timeline program, they get an idea of what all's going on in the surrounding world. So it's not history. It's not sort of like a specialized. Sometimes we teach the Bible as if it is this one thing without any kind of context Mm -hmm. around it, with any kind of understanding of what's going on in the broader world, but they will know what's going on with the Hebrew people, you know, alongside the Greeks and, and, when and they, then and the, the Christians Romans. and the Romans. You know, in, yes. in, I believe it's in, in my, if memory serves in Caesarea, one of the only references we have to Pilate outside of the scripture, Pontius Pilate yes. is a Latin inscription on a stone in yeah. the city of Caesarea. I think it's that's right. Another point about why biblical literacy is important. I think there's obviously those spiritual and theological reasons, you know, that we're building the students' knowledge base that they're going to explore over time. But there's also the educational kind of cultural reasons why biblical yeah. literacy is so important. I think one example of that is in Paradise Lost. There's this early scene where um, Satan is kind of gathering all of his army around mm-hmm. him. And the names of all the generals are the names of the false gods in the Old Testament. Mm. And most people may not know the names Molech and Balak and yeah. you know, all these different names, but... Um, not Balak, he's not a false god, Baal, but um, may not know these names unless they have this basic biblical literacy That's right. that comes up in Shakespeare, Milton, all of these important stories that are referencing biblical names, characters, and stories. That's right. Just like we teach mythology so that they have the characters they need when they study the Iliad and the Odyssey. Right. Is, um, it, is, it is literacy for other reading because it is the biblical themes are prevalent throughout Mm. good literature. And we also, you know, I don't know if you were, if this was on your list to talk about, but, but we read the King James version Mm. for that reason. Also that actually helps prepare them to read Shakespeare. Sure. Yeah. There's a literary value to that translation to that particular translation. That's right. And it's just beautiful. So in terms of biblical literacy, what do we think is a good goal for our students? You know, when we talk about that top-down approach, how biblically literate are we hoping our students can and should be? I know that you know Mrs. Lowe has that great pamphlet about biblical literacy where she kind of bemoaned the state of biblical literacy mm-hmm. in our country. How biblical literate should our students get? I think we've lost a lot of biblical literacy. Oh, in I know I've seen that in church. Um that that generation of women who are really all dead now but were alive and well when my children were little and they knew 
They really knew the Bible. The Sunday school teachers. Yeah. Yes, they did. They really, those women knew the Bible. Maybe the men did too, but it was the women <laughs> I spent most of my time um, with. And I just couldn't believe how much more they knew than mm. my generation knew. And and that's gone. And so hopefully, you know, we're having to do it through curriculum, through as through school. And our, our, um, Christian studies classes are as academically rigorous yes. as anything yeah. else. Mm-hmm. And they are given the same weight as any other class. I wanted to say, and we can flesh that out, but I think it's, you know, to the level that you hold your students, uh, um, let me say it a different way. I, I think you should hold them to the same level as the famous men of Rome series That's or the right. famous men of Greece. Mm-hmm. They should know these characters and master them. It's a mastery based program. Mm-hmm. They should know them. By the end of the Christian Studies program, they should have those figures, dates, people, events down. And we've had secular people use our Christian Studies program, at least I know in the grammar school, because they wanted their, they did want their students to be biblically literate Mm -hmm. and to know all of the history, most especially the Old Testament. Paul, what about you? What what do you think would be a, a good aspiration or a good goal, or when you look at our Christian studies program, how far does it take our students in terms of biblical literacy? When you wanted to quantify that a little bit ago, I was chuckling to myself because I thought, well, on a scale of like one to 10, is this what we're going, is this how we're going to quantify this? Yeah, should they have on a scale the entire Bible 10, memorized that's right. or a little bit memorized? <laughs> on a scale of one to 10, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I'm thinking seven or an eight. Okay. Um, where like there should be facility with it, right? Where it's, you know, I'm, I'm not asking you to have a seminary level knowledge of it. That's my 10, I suppose. But I'm, I'm, I think a student should walk out um, where it should be very rare that something comes up from the Bible that they cannot identify. Yeah. I was just listening to another podcast, a hunting trivia podcast. And they had a question about... Doesn't that sound awful? Uh, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> but they had a question about... Uh, they had a verse from the Bible. It's talked about be, it being a mighty hunter. Mm. And they were asking who it was referring to. And they said the great grandson of Noah. Mm. And I sat there thinking, okay, mighty hunter. Like the first person that comes to my mind is David, right? Mm, yeah. But I'm like, he wasn't the great grandson of Noah. Like who in the world could this be? Well, it turns out to be Nimrod. Mm. Yes. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm pretty biblically literate, but I could not pull that one out, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm going. There, yeah. there, you can get really far into the weeds, but really what, we're, you know, but should should the, you know the three sons of Noah? Yeah, you should probably know the three sons of Noah. Through $800 on Jeopardy, but not a thousand. Yeah, that's, 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 that's it. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty well, pretty well said there. <laughs> I think you could say it, definitely all the books, the Bible. Yes. You should have those memorized. A general sense of the chronology and the timeline. Mm-hmm. A general sense of the cultures at play. General name sense recognition of geography. with the major stories. Um, yeah, I think uh, the ability to, to interact with your scripture intelligently. And then, I mean, what do we do then with church history? Mm-hmm. That also is, you know, we're reading, well, we've dropped Josephus. But we were reading, our students were reading Josephus. They're studying mm-hmm. the intertestamental period. They're studying like a survey of the history mm-hmm. of Christianity, which, again, to Ian's point, puts all of that history into context of um, with everything else that was happening, like true history that mm-hmm. they're studying, mm-hmm. not just learning the Bible stories, but what happened who are the church fathers and what right. did they do? Right. Right. What is what is this community of people done with 
the 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 faith and the scriptures that were that were given to them and right. passed down to us. Yeah. Yeah. So Ian, you're you're doing you know <laughs> research work in church history, but on a student level, what's the value of church history? Why should we spend time on it in our schools and homeschools? Well, I think that so much of church history, especially you know, and, and I don't want to get into the weeds of what's going on between the East and the West, you know, in church history, but at the same time, like we are inheritors of the Western tradition. And so much of that comes from the Christian West that, that, that happens in church history, you know, beginning with people prior to Augustine, but Augustine Ford with the theory of God and other, other massive texts that informs so much of the, uh, philosophical and political and theological view of of uh, you know Christian Europe, which then influences America. I mean, so much of what we know and understand comes from how the church fathers synthesized Christian theology in the early centuries AD. Sure, sure. Well, and I think I mean church history is is also inextricably, inextricably linked to. I don't know if you want, what do you want to call it? Secular history, regular, I, yes. I mean, you know, non-church history. Yeah. Because, I mean, you think about the investiture, investiture controversy, you think about, you know, the, the struggles between the, the, the popes and the, and the secular rulers mm-hmm. who, who got to, um, you know, name bishops who, who, um, you know, was in charge of the armies who, you know, right. who could call a group of people together to go, you know, on a crusade, like all those sorts of struggles you have and, and, and faith is playing a huge part in that. Right. Um, and so seeing, I mean, in church history, we're, we're dealing with the actual events that happen, Mm -hmm. right. Of say Mm -hmm. the East West schism, but you're also dealing with, or the reformation, nine, five, whatever you whatever, you know, we're dealing with those events, but you also have to deal with, the ideas that are being, um, you know, uh, dialogued over, fought over, um, however you want to, I mean, lots of things happen based on ideas. Right. right? right. And so it, it lets students see these, these threads of the ideas and then marry that to the actual events that happen because of those ideas. And you start to see that ideas have consequences. Mm. Yeah. I think in this age, it's so easy to forget that in basically every other age, Theology and religion are not divorced in any way from secular life. Right. You know, to to be in medieval Europe, to be even in Europe in the 1400s, et cetera, religion plays such a well, huge the role. Three hundreds, right? Like, three hundreds. Yeah. Religion is crucial. And so to understand church history is to know your history. It is sure. to know history. We also talk a lot about providence, you know, yeah. seeing God's work in the world. And church history, you know, we start church history, our church history study with the book of Acts, the Mm -hmm. book of Acts, because it begins the trajectory of Christianity becoming something that is recognizable in every place of the earth over the course of the next 2000 years. Yeah. And we also, you know, spend quite a bit of time in our classes talking about the wonder of it all. Mm. And was it C.S. Lewis that said we should not ever take away the idea of the supernatural mm. from children. And so, you know, we do spend a lot of time talking about that, about mm. that it is just a miraculous, um, full of, of mystery and, and we're not going to understand it all or know it all. And, 
And so that broadens their minds also. Probably a lot of your relationship to church history does in some ways come from the tradition that you were a part of. And so for me growing up, I was kind of disconnected from church history. And so rediscovering the ways that yeah. that God was at work in the way that these ideas were. And I, I'm sure there are some people who there's a lot of church history in their life growing up, but it was more academic. And I think for our students, hopefully we're giving them the right amount that roots their, roots their faith. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So the last thing, last goal that we're shooting for is this strong faith and a Christian consciousness. Who wants to take a shot at describing what that <laughs> means and why it's on our, our website? Y'all are all looking at me, so I suppose well, I'm taking the, taking the stab at it. That. Well, here's the thing. You know, I think there's a distinction between catechesis and evangelism, right? And and so really what we're doing, when you talk about learning biblical literacy, church history, it's really catechesis. You're teaching them the, 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 the content of what we believe, right? But I think by us putting that out there, we also want our students to be evangelized. We want them to meet the God who did all of this for us, right? The one who comes down to meet us, to save us. So um, now how we do that, right? For, I mean, you can't believe what you don't know. So catechesis is an, an innate part of that. But I think we, we're trying to present it in a, in a, as much as we can in a living, breathing way, mm. which then allows that faith to take, to take root. Sure. Now we've, we've talked about this phrase, Christian worldview on this podcast before. Do you think it's kind of getting at that idea of teaching students to think about the world in a Christian way? Yeah, well, to live their lives, mm. um, thinking about the world in a Christian way and their part in it and their responsibility toward it. And um, a consciousness of, of living an ethical life mm. and and recognizing injustice and what is our role then it's all very complicated i mean but they do study augustine and mm -hmm. it's very what is a just war mm -hmm. is there such a thing as a just war right. yeah you know our students are dealing with those kinds of things and they're not really mature enough to understand it all but we're at least introducing it so hopefully we're building students developing in them at least a consciousness mm -hmm. to think about these really big things. Yeah. So Ian, what about you? What What is important about helping our students to have a strong faith and develop a Christian consciousness? Yeah, I think this goes back to some of the foundational goals of Memoria Press as an educational company, school, and Highlands Latin School and other places that we are a classical Christian educational company. Christian is part of the foundational goal there. It's not just supplementary to it. It's, it's foundational. It's who we want to be. And so I think our goal is that students are developed into those who can think Christianly about everything, mm -hmm. that Christianity informs every aspect of their thinking, their, their being, their living in the world. That doesn't mean that if you're an, if you're not a Christian, you can't benefit from the from our program, of course you can. Classical education itself is worthy of taking on. But we think, and I think, that the height of classical education, if you will, the main goal, the thing that we're reaching towards at the top is that you are classically educated as a Christian, that you are a Christian. Look at you bang that table. That's right. <laughs> that dog will hunt, as they say in <laughs> Southern Baptist Church. That's um, right. 
So Tanya, back us all the way back up. We've talked about kind of the three goals, and I think these three goals are reflected by our curriculum. Biblical literacy, then church history, then a curriculum. So talk through those three courses, you know, the, what we do to cover biblical literacy, what we do to cover church history, and then what we do to, to basically give them apologetics. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so we start in K to two. We read all the way through the story Bible, which is very like several paragraphs. The stories are broken down into several paragraphs with beautiful pictures. There's no written work. It is literally an introduction. The students aren't required to do anything except they do memorize a scripture verse every week. And then in third through sixth grades, we um, do read through the Golden Children's Bible, again, chronologically. And honestly, so the first year, third grade, is the first five books of the Bible. All those stories that we all know and study in Sunday school. The next year, the fourth grade is the worst because it's that part of the Bible we don't ever study. The rest of the Old Testament, we don't know all that stuff about, you know, the exile and the judges and so many good stories in the judges. There are so many good stories, but we don't know that. At the grad school that me and Ian went to, you know, at Southern Baptist Seminary, the only two, there were three Old Testament students. Ian and I were two of them. Oh, you <laughs> So kidding. you're talking to two big Old Testament fans. Oh, here. no. Everybody else was New Testament? Yeah, and other things. Well, I know why. I know why. So then, then they get to the New Testament and they do, it's mostly Jesus with a few stories about Paul at the end. Mm-hmm. And there's a study guide and they are answering questions. They are continuing to memorize scripture. Um. They have memorized all the books of the Bible. They know the 12 apostles. They know they can put the events in the Bible in order. And then we move from there to the book of the ancient world. So in middle school, we're actually studying all of the peoples around the Hebrew people. Did you want to talk about Christian Studies 4? Oh, Christian Studies 4 is like, that is really where we put the map in their heads. That's right, right. That is one one more year of an overview. And I taught that. Where you can say, here's a bunch of general questions about Genesis. What do you know? Mm. And what do you need to review? And that's the first year where we're using an adult Bible. And they, I mean, for them to learn to find something in an adult Bible is, it was interesting to me to see how slow it was (laughs) at first. And they eventually get, I mean, by the end of that year, they're pretty fluent in being able to find the books of the Bible. They've memorized them. So we've done that work. But actually locating them and then finding the chapter and the verse is, that's a skill Mm -hmm. that we're teaching. And then, thank you. And then, so that really is reviewing everything we've done in Christian Studies 1 through 3 and just trying to solidify it and put it in their permanent memory. And then then the book of the ancient world. And then um, the intertestamental period, the book of Acts, as you said, and that really starts us on the trajectory of, of church history. Um, and we do the story of Christianity, which is a, just a survey of 1,200 years of and how Christianity fits. And then Augustine, yeah, after that, the city of God. The city yeah. of God and we, I mean, we are having to handhold through that. Right. It is very difficult reading. The teacher is doing a lot of summarizing. In fact, that's probably the only study guide where we have literal summaries of the, sure. in case Augustine is too hard to read. Yeah. And um, and then we end with, there's 
what do we do after Augustine? What's in the eleventh grade? Well, that's that's the philosophy uh, course, Divine Comedy. Oh, oh, metaphysics. Yeah, um, yeah, metaphysics and the Divine Comedy. And then, and then we finish up with, with apologetics. apologetics. And what do they do in that apologetics course? Well, I haven't ever taught it, but um, I'm hoping that they're reading Mere Christianity. They're reading um, Fundamentals of the Faith and Orthodoxy. Yeah. Orthodoxy. Yeah. Um, and really, hopefully, learning how to defend their faith yeah. and how to walk out of their with everything solid in their own minds, mm. but mm. hopefully also knowing that they still don't know it all. Right. I mean, hopefully they come out of there with a humility. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and, and knowing that there's still more to learn and that they are, you know, they have a good foundation, but it, but they need to continue to grow in yeah. their Christian walk. Yeah. As you kind of paint the picture of that sequence, I think anybody hearing it, would think it's it's inspiring and it, it would be incredible for all of our children to have that much time studying the scripture and for anybody you know like me who's serious about his faith there's probably some point in your adult life where you're like oh, i wish i was a little bit more biblically yes. literate mm, i wish sure. i knew church history better i wish i was a more convincing apologist for our adult listeners who are educating who want to move in that direction themselves let's end on this is there anything you would advise them to do just maybe a baby step mm. in the direction of better biblical literacy, better knowledge of church history. In addition to just studying alongside their children? In addition, perhaps, although that's a great first step. Right. I mean, I think anything you read by C.S. Lewis. Mm. Yes, yeah, um, Pick great. up mere Christianity. Yeah, for sure. Mere Christianity. And apparently, well, yeah, screw tape. Um, Narnia. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chesterton, I hate to recommend since I haven't really read a lot of Chesterton <laughs> yet, but but I mean, I I don't think I think I would be I'm hoping more successful reading Chesterton than I would be reading Augustine at this mm. point in my life. Sure, Ian. What about you? What any any tips or pieces of advice? Yeah, uh, read the Bible. Just yeah, just constantly good. read. I mean, it's kind with of with a, a commentary. Joke. But yeah, that's fine. You know, don't be overwhelmed um, with with the Bible, spend time in it. And no, you don't need to know Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and uh, Latin. If you, you know, those things can come along later if you want to, but our translations are good. The translations are good. And um, we know what the Bible says and it's there. It's there free in English to spend time in it. Well, take it a, a bit at a time. Yeah. You know, I mean, with everything we recommend, right. We're recommending his long books and his, right. you know, hard stuff. And, and, you know, if, if you just, try to do a little bit each day or a little bit each week, like you will find that you, you will acquire that facility over time. Yeah. That's great advice. All right. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of classical, etc. You can find us on Spotify, Apple music, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you liked this episode, consider leaving us a positive review and sharing it with a friend. A huge thank you to the Memoria Press Podcast Network for hosting our show. Be sure to check out all the great podcasts there. As always, I'm Shane Saxon. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network, providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit us at memoriapress.com.
To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.